This anger is something where you're angry when something is wrong, when something that is not that is not right, that it's not just. I think there is such a thing as righteous anger, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to focus a little bit more. Um, uh, we're going to focus a little bit more, emo- more on the emotional side of anger and what's really going on for you. This is a message I wish I would have heard 25 years ago, because there's some things that I've learned about my anger that. I want you to learn today as we open up God's word together. So, but let's start with the definition. We've been starting with a dictionary definition every week, and this one's kind of fun. Anger is a strong feeling of being upset or annoyed because of something wrong or bad. I actually like the second definition a little bit better. It's the feeling that makes someone want to hurt other people, to shout, etc. So in case you're not sure what we're talking about when we're Talking about anger, that's what it is, but of course you should know what anger is because you've seen it, you've experienced it. How many of you got angry this morning on the way to church? Just to show, anybody got any, any fights this morning on the way to church? That's one of the things I loved about growing up is we would, we would get ready to go to church. I come from a large family, maybe not by Utah standards, but five kids. To me, that's big. When I see a family come to church with five kids, I'm like, hey, there's a Baptist church up the road. Why don't you go there? Because, because their kids' church is going to be overwhelmed. But anyway, no, we're glad, you, we're, gl- we're very grateful for large families. But I'd look at a family with five kids and I'm like, oh my goodness, you, you parent, did you, did you ever figure out parents, mom and dad, what caused it? Like I want to put them into a class and, and do some training. But, but then I think that's how I grew up. I grew up in a family with five kids. My older brother is 18 months older than my twin brother and I. So can you imagine that? My parents had three kids and three babies in diapers, essentially. That's crazy to me. Now I, can, I understand that and respect that. But I remember when we would get ready to go to church on a Sunday morning, my dad was always ready to go. Maybe that's par- possibly because my mom did most of the work getting the kids ready to go, but let's not talk about that. But he would always get frustrated. He, was, he would always get, come on, we're going, we're getting in the car and we're going. And I would, I would bet 50% of the time our family was in a fight in 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 an angry mood as we, as we rolled into the church parking lot on Sunday morning. So if that's you today, no judgment, we get it, and today's message is for you because anger is a strong feeling of being upset or annoyed, and I think we've all been there. So here's the big idea today, and I, want, I really want you to understand this today. For many people, anger is what I'm going to call today a substitute emotion, And what it does is it masks deeper feelings that you struggle to express. Now for me, when I first learned this, this was like a light bulb went off for me because again, for me, I've I've struggled with anger. I'm an impatient person that, again, that's what I would call it, impatience, right? Passion. No, it's just anger. But what what it's doing is it's actually covering up something else that's going on that I'm not good at expressing. Something else inside of me that I don't do a very good job articulating. So for example, maybe fear. You've got fear or anxiety, and it expresses itself in an outburst of anger. Or maybe, how about this one? Shame. Guilt. And it expresses itself in being short-tempered or in being angry. Or, oh, we went quick. Regret. You have regret. 
something that you wish you had done, something that you feel bad about. It's, this is a little bit connected to shame and guilt, probably in many cases. You have regret over something in your life, and it expresses itself a lot of times in your marriage. Parents, it expresses yourself with your kids, or even young people maybe thinking about, think about it at school with your friend groups. It expresses itself in anger or jealousy. We're going to look at that next week as we talk about envy, which is another deadly sin that I had no idea was gonna impact me so much. Envy was a, was a big one for me as I've already been preparing for that sermon. And then finally, even just a feeling, a basic feeling such as hunger. I mean, think about this with a kid. My, our son, AJ, he's 18 now, but when he was, when he was a baby, when he was, let, let's say when he was two years old, he, was, he, would, he would throw tantrums all the time. Anyone have any kids that were like that, that were very emotional and just put it, he would just put it, and what was happening, this is, this is such a great example if you're trying to wrap your mind around this idea of a substitute emotion. What was happening in AJ's little heart, you know, as a two-year-old is he got hungry and he didn't know how to tell us he was hungry. And so he would get angry. He would get upset. And I, what I loved about my wife, Tracy, is what she would always do, and Tracy's got a master's in counseling, so she, she really helped all of us. She helped both of our kids and, and her third kid, me. She helped all of us really understand this kind of stuff. And what she would say to AJ when he was little is, AJ, use your words. In other words, something's going on in here. I get it. I know it. I know what's going on. And usually we understood what it was that he, he needed or wanted, you know. But we were trying to teach him how to be self-controlled and use his words instead of just going straight to anger to try to express it. And so I think when we look at a two-year-old, we can say, oh, okay, I understand how anger is a substitute emotion. It's just the most easily accessible emotion that you've got. And so it comes out as, angry, as anger, but anger, it turns out, masks all of this other stuff that can be going on inside of you. And today I just want to encourage you to think about that in your own life. You probably are, hopefully you already are. Is to be self-aware and to say, okay, wait, I'm willing then to, I'm willing then to take a look at my anger issues, the last time I got angry, and to say, was it really anger? Or was there something else beneath it? that was really going on. See, substitute anger is a false pathway. We've been talking about that a lot in this series, that these, these sins are false pathways to something that's a good thing in most cases, right? God wants us to be able to control what we can control, but substitute anger is a false pathway to that and what it does, and this is why we get angry. Again, I can so relate to this. So men, I know hopefully I'll, I hope men will really listen. My guess is men struggle with this more than women. But I think, I think it's probably we all struggle a little bit with it. But men, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you a little bit today because I can relate to you. So men, I pray that the Holy Spirit opens your heart to receive this today so that God can really transform you in this area if you need it. What happens is, is we want, we feel, because of that underlying emotion or that underlying feeling, we feel vulnerable, and so we don't like that. We don't like how anxiety makes us feel. We don't like how jealousy, petty jealousy makes us feel. We don't like how these other things 
that are underneath us. We don't like how those things make us feel. It makes us feel weak. It makes us feel vulnerable. So what do we do? We get angry because angry makes us look like we're in control. But we're not. But it makes us look like we're in control. It makes you feel powerful when you're actually not powerful. You're vulnerable, but you're not man enough. I'm speaking myself. You're not man enough to admit it and to deal with what's really going on inside. Some of you wives are here saying, I can't believe we're talking about this now. This is great. Because maybe some of you wives are here saying, no, I've known this all along. I've tried to say this before and he doesn't get it. So hopefully you'll listen to God's word today. This is the oldest, just about the oldest sin in the book. A perfect example of this. If you think I'm making this up, then open up to Genesis chapter four. The very first murder in the Bible. The very first murder in history came because of anger. Do you know the story? Uh, before we, I mean here we've got the payoff in verses six and seven, but for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, Cain and Abel, they're, they're sons of, of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel are bringing offerings to God. Cain brings his offering to God, and for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't tell us, for whatever reason, God doesn't really like his offering. Abel brings his offering to God, and God likes Abel's offering. Again, it, read, read the text for yourself, and you can kind of read between the lines, but it's really a little bit confusing. It's a little bit hard to understand why is God seeming to show favoritism. It seems like God, for whatever reason, God likes Abel's offering, and he doesn't like Cain's offering, and so Cain gets jealous. Cain gets envious. He's je- What's going on inside is he's envious of his brother's offering. He's envious of the, the attention that God is giving to his brother instead of to him. And I love this interaction between God and Cain. God says, why are you so angry? He didn't say, why are you so jealous? He said, why are you so angry? Because anger is the thing that came out. Anger was the thing that came out on the surface, even though from the context, it's very clear that it's actually an envy sermon. It's for next week. So come back next week because we're going to look at this a little bit more and actually talk about envy. But today we're just talking about the substitute emotion of anger that Cain substituted. He said, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted. Look what he says. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Isn't that such a great statement? Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. You've got this this these emotions, these feelings, this is what he's saying. It's like God is a, God is a good father to, to Cain. And I, I saw this, Tracy did this with our kids, helping them understand what's broiling down here, right? Some of you didn't have parents that helped you to do this, and so I want you to hear this today. God was doing this for Cain. He says, look, there's these, you've got these emotions that are broiling in there. And sin is crouching at your door, and it wants to control you, but you must control it. Don't let this stuff that's going on in here control you. You must control it. Man, that is so hard to do, isn't it? It's so hard to have all this stuff going on inside. Again, anxiety, fear, regret, shame, guilt, hunger. Some of you just get hangry, right? So hunger. We got all this stuff broiling 
And, and it's so easy for us to, have, to lack this fruit of the Spirit, self-control, that we can't even control these basic things that are going on. It's almost like God is saying, just use your words, Cain. Right? Just use your words. How about we just talk about what's really going on? I wonder how this could have gone, that maybe Cain could have just said, I just, okay, I'm jealous. There it is, I'm jealous. Why couldn't he just say that? Why are, you showing this, why are you showing this kind of attention to my brother's offering and not mine? What did I do wrong? Who knows, if, he, if Cain would have said that, maybe he wouldn't have murdered his brother. Maybe it wouldn't have changed his life, his brother's life, their futures. Maybe if he would have just said, I, I just don't, could, can we just talk about what's going on here? Maybe God would have said, well, let me explain, let me explain why I accepted Abel's offering and not yours. But see, so many of us, we don't ever get to this point where we just say, here's what I'm really feeling. It makes me feel, it makes me feel a little bit vulnerable, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Here's what I'm really feeling, and can you help me deal with this? Young people, I hope you can get to this place with your kids. Mom, Dad, here's what I feel. Here's what's going on in here right now with me. Here's the emotions I'm feeling. For, with both of our kids, AJ and Kenzie, we'd, we've done this over the years. Now they're 18 and 21, and now we've got this ability to just talk about it. We've put in some hard work over the years, and now we, there's really no subject that's off limits for us to talk about. And you know what's so helpful about that is because you just get it out there. You deal with it in the context of a loving family, and, and, and sometimes it's embarrassing when you say how you're feeling. I get that. Husbands, I get it. That's, again, it makes you feel vulnerable, right? And so you don't want to feel vulnerable, so you stuff that thing, and instead these more manly things come out, like anger's a manly emotion, so I'll just get angry. Well, no, it's actually a deadly sin because it's not just destroying you. It's destroying your marriage and your kids as well. And so, again, we've got so much to learn from that first lesson in Genesis chapter 4. The truth is that substitute substitute anger actually causes a loss of control. You're trying to look like you're in control by being angry, but you're not in control, and actually everybody around you recognizes it. You're fooling yourself thinking you're in control, but you're not. You're not in control emotionally, you're not in control relationally, you're even not in control spiritually. It starts, just like, like God said to Cain, it ends up controlling him. Anger controls him because he doesn't deal with it in a healthy way. And so let's just get, let's give an example of this from, from marriage. When a, hub, when a husband substitutes anger, let's just walk through this real quick so that you can see what happens here. Number one, your wife and your kids feel bullied. Now, if this, is, if this has never happened in your, in your family, you, you probably at least know families where this is true, Right? So uh, the husband doesn't know how to handle his emotions. We actually have a, this topic uh, in, on the men's page at PursueGod.org. Men, if you want to talk about this with your mentors or in a men's group, or if you want to talk about it with your wife and help, maybe she can help you unpack this if this has ever happened to you. When a husband substitutes anger in place of what other, whatever other emotion, instead of being vulnerable and just saying, honey, here's how I feel. I, this is embarrassing, but here's how I, here's how I really feel. This is what's really going on inside of me. But instead, you just get angry. Then your wife and your kids feel bullied. Your wife stops expressing her emotions. 
because it's not a safe place if when she expresses her emotions and she's vulnerable with you, you don't get vulnerable with her, you just get angry, so now, now you're, you're keeping her from expressing how she feels in the context of a marriage, which is terrible because we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loves the church. So we're supposed to be a safe place. We're supposed to be, as husbands, we're supposed to be walking with our wives and loving our wives and really listening to and understanding our wives. And then worse yet, you never get to actual solutions. That might be the one that really gets you men because men, you just want a solution. So here you got this problem that's broiling. And it might, it's, pro- it's probably not all your problem. It might be a problem that's with the whole, the whole family or the marriage, or maybe it's, not even, maybe it's a problem at work, or maybe it's just something that's not even in your control. And so you've got this issue, and your wife would love to help you with it, but instead of being honest about what's really going on and how you're really feeling about this, this happened to me a few years ago with anxiety. I had some anxiety, and I, I wasn't dealing with it. I was bottling it up, and then it expressed itself in, in other emotions like anger. And when I finally just got brave enough, I mean, really, that's what it takes is courage. It takes courage to be vulnerable. When I finally got brave enough just to be like, okay, honey, here's how I feel. Would you help me? That just, that was, that just changed everything. We actually got to solutions. But what happens when you bottle up your, what's really going on, you're not honest about it with yourself, with God, with your spouse, is then then. It all stays inside you. It all stays in here or in here. And you don't ever get to solutions. And so then your family, your marriage, your family, whatever, just stays in that dysfunction. It gets stuck there. We know so many families that are just stuck because people aren't coming together and just saying, hey, let's, could we just, let's just go to God's word with this. Let's let, God, let's let God help us with this so that this doesn't control us, Right? So you never get to solutions when you substitute anger for your other emotions. And then finally, you end up looking weaker, not stronger. Because again, you think think anger makes you look strong. In your own little head, you're like, I'm good with this emotion because it's a manly emotion. But, But people get it. The people around you get it. Even your kids probably get it. And and over time, they realize that you're weak. It takes real strength to deal with what's going on. It takes strength to apologize. It takes strength to admit weakness. And so, so many of you men, I think if you can, if you can get to that place where you say, okay, I'm gonna take that courageous step of being honest about what's going on inside of me. Use your words. This is what Cain should have done. So James 1.20, I, I love this passage, James 1.20. We don't have a, a ton of time to get into it, but if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open there. In fact, that whole chapter is just worth reading um, after today's message, James chapter 1. It's a great passage. But James says this, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What a great passage. In fact, I'm going to read this whole thing real quick. He says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you all must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's what, he's, that's what he's telling them. He says, human anger doesn't produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. 
This is, this, is, this is God's solution to the anger issues that some of us deal with. Get rid of the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts. Go to God's word because God's word, God's way, God's prescription has the power to save your souls. Man, what a powerful statement. Don't get angry because human anger doesn't produce righteousness. And then in another place, John writes this, 1 John 3.10, anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So righteousness is about loving other believers. Righteousness is about looking at your family, looking at your spouse. Righteousness is about looking at people at work and loving people like overcoming some of these things that otherwise would control you and showing the love of God to people around you. And this is really what God calls all of us to do. So the antidote, some of you here saying, so how do I, okay, there's so much going on right now. I'm, I've never thought about the Cain thing that way and I've never thought about anger that way. I've, I've always thought my anger problem was an anger problem. I didn't realize it was something else going on in me. Something more basic. So the solution to this, the antidote to this, if you want, if you want a solution, is really two-sided. Number one is to be vulnerable. Remember, anger, again, for me, I can so relate to this. Anger is happening because you feel like you're controlling it. You feel like you're powerful, but you're not. And so if you, wanna, if you want a solution, you need to choose to be vulnerable and then as a part of that is you practice silence. You know, silence is a spiritual discipline. Keeping your mouth shut is a spiritual discipline. When you wanna, when you wanna lash out in anger, just be silent. Just keep your mouth shut. Control your, control your tongue. Control what you otherwise would have done and learn to do that. And you know who our best example of that is? It's Jesus. I want to show you this. This is so interesting because, again, men, many of us can relate to Jesus as a man. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. It says in Isaiah 53, a prophecy about Jesus. He was oppressed and treated harshly, and yet he never said a word. Can you imagine that, Jesus? This is a prophecy about when Jesus went to the cross. That I, I, Sometimes I read that, the, the Passion of the Christ, I read the crucifixion story, and I'm like, Jesus, like how could you just... Take this from your creation. You created them. You, made, you had authority. You had total power over them. He could have zapped him at any moment in that story. If that was me, that's what I would have done. I would have zapped him like, oh, sorry, okay, start over. Let's try again. I know i got to go to the cross, but let's try again. I just couldn't handle it. Jesus handled it. Jesus was the, no doubt, most emotionally healthy person to ever walk the face of the earth. And it's evidenced at the cross that he was oppressed and treated harshly and he didn't even say a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. He subdued everything that was going on. He was fully man and fully God. So he had, you better know he was tempted to broil over just like we are, tempted to broil over. This is not right. It, was, it would have been righteous anger, and he still didn't do it. That's amazing. So he, what was he doing there? He was, he was intentionally 
being vulnerable. That takes courage. He was intentionally being quiet. That takes strength. And so it says in Psalm 4.4, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. That's what, that's what it says in the Psalms. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's exactly what, it's essentially what God had told Cain way back in Genesis 4. Don't sin by letting anger control you. So how, what do I do? What's, okay, well, what do I do? then how do I not do that? How do I overcome it? Just, just be quiet is what, what the psalmist is saying. Just remain silent. The New Testament version of this is in Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Probably Paul is referencing Psalm 4 when he says, when he writes these more famous words in Ephesians 4, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold in your life. This is what God's word is to us. Understand this. One more time. I read this earlier. Let's read it one more time. Dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Be like Jesus. Men, women, young people, be like Jesus and say, I wanna, I wanna be able to control what's going on here. I wanna submit it to God and I wanna be silent when I would otherwise get angry. I'm gonna let let God do this work in and through me for the glory of God, just like Jesus did. Let's pray together today. God, I pray. I'm, I'm sure there are some people in here who are really dealing with this at a, at, a, at a higher level. They've got a real anger issue in their life, and I pray, Lord, that you would open their minds, open their eyes to see what's behind it. God, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, that you would just shine a spotlight on on their hearts and help them to be aware of what's really going on. And Lord, I pray that it would not control them anymore. God, that it would not control their marriage anymore. That it would not impact their family anymore. Lord, for our young people who are struggling with this, maybe who are stuffing other emotions and it's coming out in anger and frustration, God, I pray that you would help our young people to understand it, to be like Jesus and to, and to be healthy and to be vulnerable and to be honest. And God, I pray that you would deliver people today from that, from anger. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to fittingly close our service with communion. And if you grabbed one of these on the way in, I just invite you to to pull it out. We would, just, we would invite anyone who have trusted Jesus for a right relationship with God to celebrate communion with us. You don't have to be a member of this church. If you've trusted Jesus for salvation, we invite you to participate. I hate that we have to do it this way. We used to come forward and, and celebrate it more communally, but for now, this is what we have to do. So if you need one of these, just raise your hand and we'll make sure that someone gets one. If you missed one of these on your way in, just put your hand up. We've got a couple up here in the, in the balcony too. I think there might be some Cups up there in the balcony. Yeah, maybe you can help each other out. Grab that thin layer up top. There's a thin layer to, that gets to the wafer. We're going to grab that first. Grab that wafer. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 11, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine, so why don't you just peel back that that other layer so that you can get to the wine. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's drink the wine, the cup together. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that you were silent Thank you, Jesus, that instead of displaying your power by destroying your murderers, that instead you displayed your power by being vulnerable and by going to the cross like a sheep before its shears, you were silent and you didn't fight back, but you died for us. The perfect sacrifice for imperfect sinners that we are. Thank you, Jesus, that you did that. And thank you, Jesus, that you proved your power three days later when you rose from the dead, showing your power over sin and death in the grave. And God, we just receive that today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that that sacrifice, that that, that act of self-service, God, or of, of service to others, I should say, God, I pray that that act would transform us. And God, that it would even impact the way that we handle sin of anger in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you modeled it for us and that you made the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's worship together.